0: if there's one constant in owning a business, it's getting comfortable with change. As business owners, we need resilience in the face of change, whether that's changing business models, shifting marketing strategies, or building a team. Change isn't just about us, the business owner. It affects the people who are in our business. How leaders manage their team in an ever-changing environment is vital to success. Today on the podcast, we explore best practices for change management and change leadership. And if you're wondering how to scale consultancy, we explore how this change management consultant is growing into an agency by building up apprentices and confidently letting go of the client facing role in her business. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead, and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hey, welcome back to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. Today, we're speaking to Kate. She's the owner of Helios Consulting, a company that supports businesses through change management and leadership. We've seen businesses go through a lot of change in the last few years. Some businesses have thrived and some have had to take a step back. Any business owner has gone through or will go through change that affects the team. Today, we're going to explore ways to approach change as a leader. Before we get into the details, Kate, tell us about how you got into the business of change management.
1: Well, I always say I didn't pick change, change picked me. And it was really just as a result of how I was raised. We were raised um, by a single father in the North and he worked in a jail. So being a public servant meant that we had to oftentimes... Advocate for the things that we needed in our family in order to afford childcare and in order to afford, you know, basic necessities in some cases. And so, as a result of my upbringing, I found myself in a lot of situations where I was lending my voice to a cause to drive sustainable change in whatever area, whether that was um, in the labor movement, whether that was in the workforce, whether that was for, you know, being a student and not having a basketball coach because of budget cuts. So, In the end, what ended up really just happening was I became a one person advocacy and eventually found out about this practice called change management. And here we are.
0: Change management and change leadership are related, but different scopes of work. Tell us more about the difference.
1: Change management is the toolkit. It's the ability to go through and find ways to methodically help people go through change. When you think of change leadership, we're leaning into social and emotional intelligence to take the tools of artistry and truly paint a picture that people can commit to, to fall in line with. Not to suggest that people who only practice in the space of change management have no social and emotional intelligence. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we don't necessarily always follow the guidelines or the rules when it comes to change leadership. Because it's about leading people, not about managing people. And those are two very different things.
0: What is your definition of managing people versus leading people?
1: I think when we manage people, we use systems, processes, and tools. We check boxes. We have an orientation. We have an onboarding process, and that's managing people. We have annual performance reviews. We have processes that allow us to manage performance for people. We put people in boxes. And when we're leading people, we are listening. We're asking questions. We're inviting dialogue. We're inviting conflict. We're allowing people to feel inspired by us and want to walk side by side with us to achieve whatever objectives and goals that we have. And I do think that those are quite different.
0: In times of change, leadership can make or break things. Change leadership is about setting the vision, creating a shared future, and effective communication. All that supports change management, which are the tools and the structures. Why do you think the conversation about change leadership and management is more critical than ever.
1: I think that right now we're struggling between the balance of leading from the mind, which is a structured management-driven approach, and not leading from the heart nearly enough. And we have people all around us who are burning out left, right, and center, trying to keep the lights on, trying to keep their kids fed. And I think that leadership is all about heart. It is about putting your own orientation, your own self-orientation below the the needs of the greater good and the collective. And I think that right now people are looking to have leaders who are, passionate and who are loving. And we're not seeing that. People are dim when it comes to leading from the heart. And they're leading predominantly from the brain because they're trying to solve problems that they've never experienced before.
0: I resonate with the concept of servant leadership, and that's a belief that it's a privilege to serve my team as a leader. Servant leadership requires understanding my team's needs, what motivates them, and availability, coach, and develop their skills. It's also emotional intelligence and empathy. How do you think we get more of these skill sets into people's minds? And hearts.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, number one, I think is that we need to lead by example. I think leaders need to lean into that and they need to be prepared to show and demonstrate those behaviors. Um, In other ways, you know, you see organizations who launch corporate strategies and online training programs to help people with that. And, And I've seen that before. We've been a part of that. We had one organization in Canada, a national level organization. We've delivered our resilient leader program, I think 13 or 14 times. And we're talking to frontline folks who work in warehouses to build that resiliency within their workforce and their population. So I think it really, there's no real quick answer, but I think really what it comes down to is first and foremost, recognizing where you have a deficiency in those spaces, and then looking to close that gap by customizing and and meeting the needs of what the people in the organization need.
0: What are some tools or important factors that leaders need to take into consideration with change leadership and management?
1: You know, a lot of organizations like to do pulse surveys, and using the feedback from those surveys is a really effective way to To understand what the need is. And so I think, you know, if we dial this back, right, to change and change leadership and how you would even diagnose that a change needs to happen. It's looking at the why and the why now why are we doing this and why are we doing it now? Um, We call these the big five in our diagnostic toolkit, Um, having a solid vision that people can link into. And then looking at um, the current state to the future state, like where are we right now? And where do we want to go? Because that gives you your roadmap. It tells you what the gap in your organization is from a resiliency perspective. Looking at impact, the impact analysis, understanding how, if I implement this, what's the change that is going to happen? And what's the ripple effect and being ready for that that, right? I always say that when we do a, a communication or when we have a workshop and we're encouraging people to grow in a different way, um, we're, we're, we're throwing the first stone into the water and we're going to get one of three responses. It's going to be a ripple, a wave or a tsunami. And we need to be able to deal with either one of those things as it comes. And really looking at the stakeholders and identifying and analyzing who's, who's on first and, you know, understanding where people are coming from and where they might go. Uh, what was their change history look like? where are they in terms of their own resiliency journey in a personal perspective? And then the last one is a readiness assessment. How ready are you to activate that change to help build that resiliency in your organization, making sure that you're investing in the right spots? Kate, I took
0: notes as you were going through the details. For our listeners who might not have a pen, let me recap. Number one is understanding why or why now. Two is having a solid vision. Three is clarity on the current state to the future state. Four is an impact analysis, or in other words, understanding the ripple effect across the organization. Five is a readiness assessment. Kate, thanks for sharing the method you would take someone through. Speaking of methods, off-air, you had shared your method for growing your team through apprenticeship. Tell us more about that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love the term apprenticeship because it speaks to the fact that I'm taking somebody who has knowledge of something and we're applying that knowledge in a very controlled and safe environment. Um, psychological safety is one of the most important components of my team. Making sure that my apprentices and the folks who are working on my team feel secure and safe in everything that they do and all of those client interactions is very important to me. And so, How we do it is, you know, we could go out and we could source change people. They're a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. And um, folks are looking for work. But I don't want somebody who just has a methodology to come in and apply a methodology. I want a change leader. And so the two people who I have currently in my apprenticeship are actually not career change people. Neither one of them have a, a change certification. But they have what we call, and I'm doing air quotes, it. And I can't tell you what it is. All I know is that when I see it, when I meet it, I want it. And because those are the people who have social and emotional intelligence, they can execute a checklist. I can build a strategy and tell them how to go out and engage with the client. But if they have the social and emotional skills to be able to meet the needs of our clients in a way that hits the standard of what my expectations are, that's what matters the most. And so we bring these folks in and we put them in a very comfortable spot where I'm building the strategy with them. I'm giving them the keys to the convertible and I'm saying, okay, you can take it around the block. It's not a standard. You should be able to drive it. Come back when you've gone around the block and let's talk about how it felt, what the reactions were from the client, what you felt like, are there any ends that we need to tie up? How can I help you? And so with apprenticeship, what happens is it allows me to kind of step back where the client isn't having to pay a senior partner rate for all of the work, they're getting somebody who's being apprenticed through, who has great social and emotional skills, and in 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 addition to that, it allows people to have autonomy, which I think is a very key piece to motivation and helping drive people through success.
0: Did you know that I have a coaching program called the Mighty Pod Model? In the high-touch program, we help our clients go from solopreneur to an agency owner so they can gain more freedom by having a service business where client work isn't dependent on them to scale. Maybe you started as a solopreneur with zero people in your business. Eventually, you bring in an assistant and contractors, but you continue to hold on to the strategy and direct communication with your clients. Before you know it, you're at capacity. So what happens if you want to grow bigger? Meet the Mighty Pod model. The Mighty Pod model isn't just a business model. It's a high-touch coaching program that helps you go from solopreneur to agency owner with a profitable, streamlined, and strategic roadmap. If you're feeling like the bottleneck in your business, download our free Mighty Pod Model Cheat Sheet. Go to audreyjoyquan.com forward slash free resources. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com forward slash free resources or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app to get the free Mighty Pod Model cheat sheet. Back to the show. Bringing apprentices into your business is a way of building an agency. I love the term apprentice because it sets the intent for learning your strategies in a process-driven way. Now, you mentioned the it quality. How do you go about identifying quote-unquote it?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. You know, the first apprentice that I brought in was somebody that I worked with very closely as a project coordinator, and she's just a getter done kind of girl. And she is a connector. And so being able to see her relationship skills in terms of being able to create that scalability is a really important thing. And so I think first and foremost, it's looking at the values. Do your values match my values? If our value systems don't align, it's not going to work right the second apprentice that i onboarded she came out of a rock crushing crew in the yukon she was the four person for she was the first female four person in this rock crushing company in this industry in the territory um somebody i grew up with somebody who i trust deeply and knows virtually nothing about change, but she is an incredibly logical individual. And so I look at that and I go, okay, well, I'm on a big construction project where I need a level of expertise um, that I simply just don't have. So she's got that. But then in addition to that, she's got really great social skills and can communicate at multiple levels of an organization. I can put her in front of a vice president and there's no problem with that, but I can also put her at the front line and the front line will respect what she has to say. So I think it's really situational, but you have to be paying attention. You have to be an active listener. You have to know what you want. You have to understand your value system. You have to understand your own personal brand and last and absolutely not least, and probably the most important thing of it of all, is you have to be able to listen to your gut. Your intuition speaks loud and clear, and it is something that most people kind of quiet down. But that intuition is probably the most important part of your social and emotional intelligence. And if you can listen to that and pair it together with all of those other things, you will find your perfect apprentice.
0: I'm sure the listeners will want to know this. What does your apprenticeship process look like?
1: Sure. Uh, with, with our apprentices, how I usually onboard them is we find that we have an opportunity that's presenting itself. And so we would then understand what that opportunity looks like and if one of the apprentices that are currently existing in the, in the firm would fit that great. If not, then it is, it's, we go out on the hunt and we say, okay, well, who do we have in the stable? Who do we know that could do this? And so go through, find that apprentice. Then it's, you know, we go through all of the processes, right. The onboarding, the expectations, um, you know, getting somebody comfortable in the organization, but then it comes down to actually then sitting down and building the strategy of change with them. So we don't build um, a communications plan and a training plan and engagement plan. We build everything in in Helios in one consistent document. All of our diagnostics go in there, all of our strategy, all of our identifications for stakeholder ID, everything is in one place. And so how I do it with my apprentices is I go through and I actually work with them to scope what the strategy should look like. So tell me what you think. So it's quite a collaborative exercise. But then from that point, what we do is we then build it out. They go forward, and this freaks a lot of people out, but I put them as the consultant in front of the client, and I say, go and have the conversation on stakeholder management. Sometimes, you know, I'll go in and I'll do warm kickoffs, and I'll do a couple of meetings and set some expectations, add a little bit of flair, and then um, bow out. So it all depends on the on the individual and their level of comfort. Then what happens is I have weekly strategy sessions on every client file with my apprentices. I am on speed dial. So if something goes sideways, if they need a review on something, I will drop everything to serve them. Because one of my number one sayings that I say over and over and over again, and I live into this, is if service is beneath you, then leadership is beyond Mm. you. Without a team of people to serve, you don't exist. Yeah. Right?
0: Kate, I... I, I'm listening to you talk about building your team. And what comes up for me is that you're a master delegator. I, I, I hear it as you are going through what you're doing with your apprentices, that you are a master delegator. And I'd love for you to just share more. Tell us more about what you think makes you a great delegator.
1: I think what makes me a great delegator is having the right people doing the right job. And I think the the secondary to that really is giving my team the ability to push back and tell me if they're not comfortable. Again, I come back to psychological safety. If you as a leader want to delegate something to somebody and they're uncomfortable with that, or you have a hair trigger reaction in that emotional regulation space, when something goes wrong, you don't know how to manage your emotions. That becomes really difficult for people to want to take on and actually run with. I think the other thing is, is the follow-up, the follow-up and the follow-through we manage, we have systems and tools that we use to manage tasks. Um, We have weekly one-on-ones that we don't push. We make the connection, the priority. And so When you're delegating to somebody and you're following up with them and it's within their skill set or you're challenging their skill set with a soft landing if they happen to mess it up, I think that in and of itself creates the opportunity to be able to delegate and hand people the opportunity to participate in a meaningful way.
0: Because you're putting your apprentices in front of clients as soon as possible, got it armed with your strategy What have you found helpful to prepare the people that you've brought in to be in front of
1: others? I think one of the things that we do really well is we meet with the client together. And we, they see me interact with the client, and I set the tone in terms of how the relationship will be. We're a very relationship-driven co- company. I mean, we're purpose over profit every single day, because relationships really are what make change happen. And they're the sustainment for our society. Without relationships, we're nothing. And. And so when I go in and I set the tone and I create that introduction and, you know, maybe crack a joke or, you know, drop a funny line or put a meme on a slide that really loosens everybody up and allows people to just be human, that really sets the tone for the apprentice to be able to go in there and have meaningful dialogue and forge their own relationship. And that's the other thing that I also encourage my apprentices. I don't expect them to be me. I don't want them to be me. I want them to be them and deliver an outstanding, excellent service. Every single time a client comes into interaction with them, that's what I want.
0: Kate, thanks for joining us on the conversation about change management and giving us a look into an apprenticeship in your business. Before we wrap up here, tell us where people can find you.
1: Listeners can find me on LinkedIn, Kate Denunzio. I think I'll probably be the only one that you'll find there. And of course, folks can always go over to heliosconsulting.ca. Our podcast is there. We have a lot of different blog articles that folks can lean into to learn more about uh, tips and tools for resiliency. And uh, we're always happy to receive feedback and hear from folks.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey there, thanks for hanging out with me at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you hit the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app and share it
1: with a friend. I'll see you in the next one.